This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I am your host, Lydia Gargo. In today's podcast, we will be talking about friendship. Specifically, we'll focus on in segment one, family and friends. Segment two, volunteers as friends. Segment three, dogs as friends. My special guest today is Nicole Boudet. Nicole is a graduate of Grand Valley State University and has always had a heart in non-profit work. She joined Leader Dogs for the Blind in 2015 as the Volunteer Engagement Coordinator. And her position includes supporting over 350 on-campus volunteers with a large variety of different activities which we will discuss during the podcast. In her free time, Nicole enjoys running, cycling, hiking, reading, and spending time with her family, friends, and her dogs, Molly and Clancy. Well, I am very excited to have Nicole on the show today. So welcome, welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Full disclosure, people, I actually met Nicole at a Rochester Toastmasters Zoom meeting. And I was so fascinated to actually see somebody on the screen who worked for Leader Dogs for the Blind. And I thought, oh my goodness, I need to get to know this woman. We finally met in person and it was a great reveal because what (laughs) I saw on Zoom was not what I saw in person. (laughs) I was shell shocked at how sweet, tiny she was she's so <laughs> petite but um an absolute darling inside and out and so i just felt Thank hey you. we gotta get her on our podcast because she's a wealth of knowledge and she's a phenomenal person to get to meet so Enough of my chit-chat. Thank you. You are a big reason why I kept coming back to Toastmasters. They're so warm and welcoming. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's all friendship, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's get on to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, you've already covered a lot of it. That was a really nice (laughs) overview that you provided. Um, Like you mentioned, I did go to Grand Valley. I majored in English, and then I did, uh, my emphasis was professional writing. I started out in teaching, and then I worked at a daycare center, and I said, this is not for me. So I was about halfway through my program when I switched. So I did a minor in advertising and public relations, and so I had the opportunity to do two internships, and one was at an advertising agency where I did not get a lot of opportunity to really explore the field. But then I had the opportunity to internship at the Kent County Literacy Council. And my heart just bloomed because I just loved it so much. I loved their mission. I loved the executive director. She just gave me the opportunity to do so many things. And just being a smaller organization like that, you get to wear a lot of different hats. And Mm -hmm. so that really um, solidified it for me in terms of where I wanted to work. Um, And then, so that was on the west side of the state. And I will tell you that my husband and I met in high school. So we got married very young. 
We were 20. Wow. We were babies when we got married. But we had dated, you know, four or five years. So we just, we didn't want to live together before we got married. We just wanted to get married and we knew we were, we were right for each other. And mm-hmm. so, um, so I graduated first and okay. my husband was still in his chemistry program. So we moved out to this side of the state. I got a job in Brighton actually. Mm-hmm. And then he finished up at Eastern. So my first job out of college, I was not a nonprofit. I was um, called the Engraver's Journal, and it was um, it was a very interesting experience. And you know how it is when you graduate from college, right? You're excited. You know, you you paid your dues, right? You're, it was not a good experience, and they let me go. Oh wow! I think I was there for like three months. They let you go. They let me go. As in fired? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, actually, but God works in mysterious ways. Like, at the time, I was crushed. I was devastated, right? Because here I worked so hard to get my first job. And it just, it just wasn't the right atmosphere. And the people were just, it, the vibe wasn't good. Okay. So, really, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. okay because then I landed at a nonprofit. The theme today is friendship. And I would love to tell you about my friend Leslie. So God moved me out of that season into, um, it was called Child Care Network. And so they worked to find like good quality daycare and connections for people who needed childcare. So she was a social worker there mm-hmm. and we got talking and we realized that we both really liked to run. So we started running together in the mornings before work. Sometimes we'd meet after work. Um, and she was just this huge, blessing in my life and then fast forward um, you know I get pregnant with my son Trent who is now 20 he'll be 21 in March yes they do grow yes way too fast and oh well okay I need to back up just a little bit so I did take a different job um, because I did need to make a little bit more money to support because you know my husband was still in school his name is Steve so I was a proposal writer at StatProbe. So they did contract research organization, or yes, I think that's the term. So they worked a lot with Pfizer, so it was on clinical trials. So I was on the business end of things, and so I'd put together the, you know, the costs, the timelines, things like that with the sales guys there. And I really loved it, but then I got pregnant, and Trent was... I had a lot of complications with him. Mm. So he was born very early. Um, You know, I started having difficulty at 24 weeks and had to go on just strict bed rest. And so during that time, my friend Leslie was a huge support to me. And I wound up, um, he was born at 29 and a half weeks. So he was just a little peanut. Yeah, yeah. Two pounds. Very peanutty. Yeah, he looked like a baby bird when he was born. He was just (laughs) like, You can't hold him. (laughs) No, I I mean, he was just like taken away from me. And just, you know, luckily we were in Ann Arbor. Mm. So, you know, we lived in Ann Arbor. And we went to, you know, the best care there at the hospital. Sure. So, yeah, he was there for, you know, eight weeks before we could even bring him home. And... But my connection with Leslie was such that when I was ready to go back to work part-time, she had decided that she was ready to step away from her position at the organization we used to work at together. So she wound up staying with Trent so I could go back to work part-time. So it was just, again, it was like, you know, at the time I was devastated, but it really turned into this beautiful Mm. friendship and blessing that 
Trent was able to be at home. You yeah. know, he had he was very immunocompromised. Like it's just it was a really rough rough time in our lives, but he he made it and he's thriving and he's he's doing great. Everything you just shared right now is so powerful, especially your friend Leslie. Because I found this quote which says, A friend is a person with whom you have a bond of mutual affection. And what you just described right there in your story is a friend yes. with whom you had a mutual affection, who was willing to go above and beyond, really, for you. Yeah, she really did. Mm. That is so beautiful. That is. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, you've talked about the friend. I know you're close with your family. Mm-hmm. How have you developed friendship in your family. It kind of sounds a little strange because you know you don't pick your family like people say, but you know even within the family, I think it's important to be able to cultivate friendship. Well, I'm very blessed to be the mom of Trent, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. who's 20, soon to be 21, and also my daughter Claire. She is almost 17. Mm-hmm. So that's. They are just my greatest joy and blessing. Besides my marriage to my husband, I just always wanted to be a mom. That was just my my main goal in life. And so they just, my family completes me. I just, mm. I'm gonna get ulterior-eyed just thinking about them. Just how much I love them and just um, how much fun that we have together. We really love to travel. And I love sharing those experiences with the kids. I know um, some people really enjoy like getting away for the weekend, you know, without their kids or like a different kind of trip. And I completely understand that, but I love to have those experiences with them and really share that with them. Um, I remember for our 20th wedding anniversary, you know, we went to Hawaii and it wasn't even a second thought to me. Like if we were bringing the kids, it was just, of course we are. I know this is our anniversary, but. I want the kids there. Yeah. So when do you have time to yourself, you and hubby? Well, you know, keep in mind my kids are old now. Right? Oh. <laughs> We're in a very different stage a whole life. different season. <laughs> Thank a, you yes. for a different season. Okay. Yes. Yes. So you do have time with t- hubby anyway. Yeah. I do because you know Trent's off at college. Yeah. He's up way up at um, in Marquette at Northern Michigan University. He's a junior. He's living his best life. So. Um, and Claire, you know, she's super busy with school. It's just all really good. I, I love their sense of humor, and I think we share that, you know, our whole family. I like to tell them really funny puns. I think they're funny. They might not, but and they're funny to me. <laughs> so, it's all perspective, right? Sometimes I get a laugh. Sometimes I get an eye roll. Sometimes I get a groan. But it, You get a reaction. I get a reaction. There you go. Yes. That's all It's all wanted. good. It's all it's good. All good so. You know, just to kind of wrap up this little section here, I wanted to ask you, because we are talking about friends and family, mm-hmm. what kind of people do you gravitate to as friends outside family? I think it's really, really important that we don't just make friends, but we have healthy friendships. These are people that even if I don't talk to them, the relationship continues. It almost feels like you just call them and we just carry on from where we left off. Those are the type of relationships that have just fed my soul and have just been very rich. So what about you? What kind of people do you gravitate to and how do you keep those relationships healthy? Well, my best friend from college, she lives in Kentucky and her name is Jeannie and it's the same sort of thing. Like we just kind of pick up, you know, we go months sometimes without talking, which Mm -hmm. 
you know, because we're both just busy and, you know, I need to make more of an effort. You know, I really do. Because I do, I do miss her. But it is, but I love that, that when we just talk, it's like no time has passed and we know just details about each other's lives and what's going on and just, we just love and support each other. And then also I have a really nice, wonderful group of um, my Bible study ladies. Sometimes we refer to ourselves as the, the badass Bible babes. <laughs> the who the what? <laughs> uh, the what? The badass what? Bible babes. The badass Bible babes. Um, yes. Okay. If Did you check ch- with the Bible <laughs> part of it? <laughs> the badass Bible babes. Never heard that before. That's when but we're that's feeling um, sassy, I guess. But um, they are just... <laughs> An incredible group of women that each bring their own strengths and talents and just unique gifts to the group. We have been so fortunate to know each other. We all, um, for a long time, so our kids went to school together at a very small Christian school in Lake Orion, mm-hmm. and that's how we started out. And we have just been friends this whole time, you know, and doing Bible studies together. But in addition, just really living life together. How do you keep those relationships healthy? What are some of the ways? Because you know sometimes relationships can be unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. So in your view, what things can you put in place to keep a friendship healthy? Um, I would say number one is prayer. It's just really being um, thinking about them and praying. Even if I can't make it to our Bible study or I can't I haven't picked up the phone to call my friend in a while, right? I have to say that all of these friendships are very healthy. I have had some people come and go from my life that Mm -hmm. maybe it hasn't been healthy. Maybe it started out that way and then it didn't. And like you referred to, you know, the season, you know, I think the season just kind of ended and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of okay to maybe step away a little bit or just not respond or... Um, COVID in a way, in a weird, weird way, it kind of helped with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of you couldn't get together, right? Sifting out the relationships. Yes, <laughs> I did. Call it for what it is, right? Sifting the relationships. Yes. Okay. I don't mm-hmm. like conflict, so it's really hard, and it's yeah, that can be really hard to little to have sifting. To do that. Mm-hmm. So I mean also setting boundaries right Mm -hmm. just setting those healthy boundaries keep the relationships healthy and um, I think people learn to respect boundaries if you have them Mm -hmm. and when they knock against them they're like okay this is not working right so having those healthy boundaries um, Mm -hmm. I think make definitely make a difference I think we need to take a little break sounds good Welcome back, and if you are joining us, this is the Candid Life Podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact, and I'm your host, Lydia Gargo. Our special guest today, Nicole Bidet, the Volunteer Engagement Coordinator. I have to practice this. (laughs) 
for leading dogs for the blind. Today we are talking about friendships, the powers thereof. In the last segment, we talked about our friends and family and how we can grow those relationships. So now we're going to move on to volunteers as friends. I read the mission statement for Leader Dogs for the Blind, and it says, our mission is empowering people who are blind or visually impaired with lifelong skills for safe and independent daily travel. It's a pretty loaded mission statement. So, Tell us briefly a little bit about the organization and how that work actually comes into play to make a difference in the lives of both the visually impaired and also the blind. So I am truly blessed to work at Leader Dog and Leader Dog for the Blind and to be part of this amazing organization. Every day I am amazed at the staff, the volunteers, the clients, the donors, I mean everybody that it takes to make this organization what it is. So I have seen firsthand, um, you know, the clients out on the streets of Rochester, you know, training with the dogs, you know, as they're coming to our facility, they learn how to um, be a team, you Mm -hmm. know, with the dog. And so when they leave us, you know, after 21 days, they're going home and they're, you know, working with the dog to learn their routes and their neighborhood. And so applying the skills that they learn here so that they do have that safe and independent travel in their communities. We have, again, some really amazing volunteers who are called our breeding stock host homes. Okay. And so they have the leader dog moms or dads in their homes. Mm -hmm. So if you have a male, he is going to live with you. He's going to come up to campus um, for breeding. So whenever they need him, they would you know, call the host home and say, hey. It just sounds so strange. It's so the dog just comes and performs its business. Kind of like spr- it's kind of like spring break, right? I know. <laughs> I just have a hard time. Oh, what a messy situation. It's just so sexual. It's awful. It's, I mean, you have to see from the dog, but even from the breeding thing, it's different. It's, it's actually, so, I don't know. It just sounds It's strange. actually really, really cool. And it's amazing. Like It is. It is. Bec- I mean, you don't see that, but I mean, the whole process is amazing okay. to get from the start, from a breeding, you know, from the breeding all the way to when the cli- when the dog gets issued to a client. Like it's actually okay. really amazing. Of so, it is, and there's yeah. so many things that happen along the way. Okay. So the males they come to our facility and they're there for like a week or two. Do the business. Spring break. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, we're. They're contacting the host homes for the moms. So the mom is coming up, and she's spending that time with us, too, getting to know the dad. If they have a love connection, Come then on, she gets pregnant. A little and bit of friendship there going on. That's right. <laughs> we really hope there is. Hmm. And then she's going to have some puppies. So the host home volunteers who have those females, they they have the pregnant mom at their house, okay. and then the puppies are actually born in their home. So they will have a litter in their home with the mom and then they care for them for seven weeks okay you know and to watch them you know they don't have their eyesight in the beginning you know and you see them develop over that seven weeks you know they're very dependent on their mom and then Mm -hmm. they become you know more curious and independent and biting each other and you know feeling their way around right (laughs) you're really painting the picture yes 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 (laughs) so it can be very messy in terms of all the cleanup 
but yes, it's, but it's so, a beautiful thing. And it's so beautiful and it's such an amazing process that people want to do this for us. Yeah. And, you know, they do it for us. Um, they have four consecutive litters in their home. So, you know, it's a two to three year mm-hmm. commitment. So okay. It's, a, it's our biggest volunteer commitment. Okay. And then when she's retired, she is able to be adopted free of charge by that host home. Oh, right. So okay. really the goal okay. is to have puppies for our program, but also to find her that forever home. You know, That's we great. want that to be a mm-hmm. really good connection and place for her. Mm. And then the males, they can be bred up to um, nine years. So then when they retire, again, they're offered to that volunteer host home free of charge. And they can live out their golden years. That's wonderful. Yes. So. Who can actually qualify to have one of these leader dogs? Is it anybody in Rochester? Or is it just, does it really matter whether you live in Rochester or you live outside Rochester? We have clients from all over. Okay, so it's not limited to just no. Rochester. Anybody can come as long as they have a need. Yes. Okay, so yes. let's carry on with the dogs then. Yes. What breed are the leader dogs? So we have... Golden Retrievers, Labrador Retrievers. We have crosses between those two. And then we have some Shepherds, just not very many. So I do want to give a shout out to our wonderful puppy raisers. So you were just asking me what mm-hmm. happens after they come back to yes, us. Yes, yes. So our amazing breeding stock host homes, they have raised, they have loved, they have provided all this wonderful care and they're bringing the puppies back to us. And so they are here with us for about a week. So they're getting their vet checkups, they're you know just making sure everything's good, and then they go out to their puppy raiser. So again, these are really amazing volunteers who come in and they take that puppy home with them. So they have them for the 12 to 15 months in their home. So they're getting them from little bitty, working on potty training, doing housebreaking, mm-hmm. things like that. But they're also working on that obedience, they're mm-hmm. doing training exercises with them, and they're also socializing them during that time. Mm-hmm. So they are putting their heart and their soul and their energy and their time and their love into these puppies for that time. Mm -hmm. And so it's really fun to see the puppies out in public. You know, you'll see them, they'll have, you've probably seen them around Rochester. I've seen them around Rochester, yeah. Yes. So you see them, just the cute little fluff balls, right? You know, they've got the bandana on that signifies that they're part of our program Mm -hmm. and that they are in training. Mm -hmm. So that's a big piece of that. puzzle for Mm -hmm. these dogs to learn you know we want them to be very comfortable in new environments we want them to be used to different types of people different Mm -hmm. types of situations loud noises because when these dogs are out with their client they're going to encounter new situations so we want them to be very calm collected you know and not um, apprehensive because they need to be able to provide you know that guidance okay the thing that I was wondering about um, is how do you match the puppy and the client? What's your criteria <laughs> for doing that? Again, there's so many amazing people, like staff members, that figure all of this out. So okay. our breeding department, they are always thinking, and our client services department, and actually everybody who's involved, they're thinking like two years in advance. It's very, very organized. Well- organized well thought out they just Mm. again Mm. I know I've used this word amazing a lot but it is amazing they really are Mm -hmm. I mean I'm always blown away by just everything that goes into it you know behind the scenes and Mm. so 
it's a really dedicated team that works together. I mean, it's a lot of collaboration between all of the departments to really produce the best dogs mm -hmm. possible for clients. We really want the clients and the dog to be a successful team. So all that careful planning, all the thoughts, all the spring break, you know, it's all... <laughs> it's all part of the bigger it's plan. It's all part of the bigger plan. So. Another question I have is, how young is your youngest client? So we have a couple different programs, which is really okay, nice. So, so we have a summer experience camp for okay. teenagers. So I believe it's between 16 and 17 years of, mm -hmm. of age. It's been virtual the last couple years because of COVID, mm -hmm. but that's really nice because they get to connect with peers and this is people, they can come from all over. We don't. So they're able to connect and they're able to learn more about our programs. They make it so fun for everybody. They do a bunch of different activities. So when it's in person, like they'll go canoeing, okay. they'll play, um, it's like soccer, but you know, the ball has a sound. They do like tandem bike rides around Stony Creek. They just have all sorts of really fun activities, but they also have things in terms of like thinking about different careers. They'll have people give them, you know, mentorship. It's just a really, really very nice strong program. Yes. One more little question on the dog thing. I'm yeah, not a dog lover, but I will love dogs. We grew up with dogs, had two at home, but they were outside pets. They were okay. not inside, you know, so that's just a whole different lifestyle yeah. there. If you have people who have maybe had a negative experience, some kind of trauma with, mm. with dogs, how do you help somebody settle into having a new experience or developing mm. a, a mm -hmm. relationship or a friendship with mm -hmm. a dog? Do you have the yeah. trauma, trauma specialist? <laughs> <laughs> or the counselors that lead yeah, a dog to I mean, help I would deal have with that issue? I would have to say that's really outside of my um, expertise. You know, really, I my focus is our volunteers, like our on-campus, and then also, you know, doing the front end of the application process for the breeding stock host homes and yeah. then our um, puppy raisers. So really, that's more my area of expertise. I think that they, I know that they have people in our client services who are just Again, they work so hard to help the clients because they know that this is a big experience. A lot of people have never left their home mm -hmm. and traveled right. to Michigan. Mm -hmm. Some people have never been on a plane. Some people, you know, so it's very, it can be very intimidating traveling by yourself, you know, mm -hmm. managing the airport, all of that stuff. And then to think that you're going to come home with a dog, right? That's another That's whole layer. Girl, yeah. And so they do have a lot of um, discussion and they do go through a, a big application process because they do, like I said, they want it to be very successful for you know, the team, the dog and the client. And so uh, it's absolutely normal to be nervous and I think they try to do the very best they can to alleviate some of that nervousness and really help them through that. Our guide dog mobility instructors are the ones that work with our clients when they're on campus, um, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So they're here for 21 days. And so during that time, I'm sure that people are very apprehensive and nervous. And then when they actually meet their dog, again, they still might feel that mm -hmm. same sense of, I don't know if this is gonna work. Yeah. But the more comfortable they get and the more they work at it, it's gonna be this amazing thing for them, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's opening doors that maybe they never imagined. And so it's just a beautiful relationship develops between 
you know, the client, the client and the dog. The dog. Mm, that's great. So do you have any memorable moments, you know, just share really briefly? And then I'm going to ask you to tell our audience why they should become a volunteer for Lead the Dogs for the Blind. I would love to share with everybody about my family's experience um, with a future leader dog. So that is what we call our dogs um, before they're issued to a client, before they graduate and become Mm -hmm. a leader dog. As I mentioned before, I talk to a lot of people on the phone about our different volunteer opportunities or over email. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's our on-campus volunteer opportunities, our breeding stock host opportunities, and then also our puppy raising opportunities. A lot of people as puppy raisers or potential puppy raisers, they ask me, how can you spend 12 to 15 months with this puppy and then give it back? Mm. That's a very difficult question, right? Because that's, you know, you're going to get attached. You are spending all this time with this puppy. I myself have never raised a puppy, but my family had the experience when COVID hit, we had to shut down everything. So we couldn't have clients come. We couldn't have volunteers on campus. Mm -hmm. And so that really, you know, we really had to kind of adjust, right? And figure out what was gonna happen. And so we had a lot of dogs that were in training in our canine center. So we needed, you know, staff that wasn't able to work with the clients, they came over and they worked in our canine center. Everybody really adapted very well and really made everything work. But my family was asked to rehome a future leader dog. She was class ready. So what that means is she had gone through all of that training with our guide dog mobility instructor and she was so ready for her clients. But she was kind of in limbo, right? Because we couldn't Mm. have clients. And so they had several dogs that needed homes. And I personally have two dogs, Molly and Clancy, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Clancy is a career changed leader dog or from Leader Dog, he didn't make it through the program, so we were able to adopt him. So we were asked if we would rehome, and we said yes, you know, we would love to have her, we were all home. <laughs> so here we are, four of us, three dogs, and, but what it was, but it, it gave us this beautiful sense of what puppy raisers do and kind of go through. Our, so the dog that we had was just such a joy to have around, and really our job was to do these training techniques with her just to keep her fresh and ready for when she could go to her client. Mm -hmm. We got attached to her. We had her for three months. The day came that we had to take her back. I had that sense of what people were asking about and I had a sense of what people went through. You know, as soon as I found out it was time for her to go back, I, you know, I pretty much cried every day. And then even that whole weekend, like I just, I cried, but it was beautiful in a way right? Because we saw how sweet and how smart and how well she was going to do for somebody. So it was like this beautiful tears, Mm -hmm. you know, the broken hallelujahs, right? Because it was like, we were sad and we didn't even do all the hard work, right? Right, We just were tiny, We were just a little sliver, but I like that. The broken hallelujahs. Look at you just calling on the tagline, right? But I love that because in the work... And in you spending that time, as heartbreaking as it was to see her go, there were those memories that you could hold on to. And just knowing that the person who was eventually going to get her was going to have a gift. 
And I think with that, we are probably going to take a quick break. Again, I got this quote online. It says, the great thing about new friends is that they bring new energy to your soul. And again, that's something that you've just expressed with this dog coming into your home for those three months. Something a little different. The friendship with that dog brought a new energy to your soul. So with that, folks, we are going to take a quick break. are listening to the Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And today we have Nicole Boudet from Leader Dogs for the Blind. In our last segment, we just touched a little bit about volunteers being friends, but we're going to wrap up the discussion and focus on dogs as friends. I know I'm all into the whole coat thing, but I found this coat <laughs> on the internet, which I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder whether this rings true for Nicole. It says, dogs come into our lives to teach us about love. They depart to teach us about loss. A new dog never replaces an old dog. It merely expands the heart. Isn't that a pretty cool quote? I mean, what would you say about Molly and Clancy? Do you feel that they really added to your family? And if they did, what exactly they add? Oh, my gosh. I have had dogs my whole life. um, And each one of them brings something special. They all have their unique personalities. And I have just enjoyed all of them. I had a gosh, what was she? Cockerpoo growing up. I had a German Shepherd Collie mix. I've had a Rottweiler mix. I've had, and now Molly, she's our Border Collie mix. And then we have Clancy, who I mentioned his career change through Leader mm-hmm. Dog. He, mm-hmm. We say he's kind of like a college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> he decided he didn't want to continue. Don't be labeling the dog like that. College dropout. No, he's... Seriously. He just, it, the, he just didn't want to work and that's mm. what I appreciate about leader dog too just I'm going to circle back to that a little bit it's just you know the dogs really have to want it like the difference between Clancy and the dog that we rehomed that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. Clancy's so laid back like he is happy to just sleep seriously like 10 hours of the day and he's five you what? would think he's 10 and Molly's five like they're very opposite but the dog that we had, she brought something like a whole new um, level to us just while we had her. She just, again, like I talked about how she was so smart and she's just mm-hmm. people pleaser. Like she just always wanted to be with you. Yeah. But she also seemed like she loved what she was doing. Okay. You know, and so I'm... <laughs> that interesting? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And you see some dogs in our program that are just so natural. Like, they look like that was just what they were looking to do. for. Yeah. yeah, and they love it. They love it. And then, you know, other dogs don't graduate, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Some of the dogs, they look for alternative careers for them, you know, if they don't make it. So I love that because, like with all of my dogs I've had in my personal life, mm-hmm. you know, they, again, just those unique personalities and those traits. You know, Molly, she's a border collie. Like, she's a herding dog. 
you know, when my kids were little, she would just herd them in. She would herd them in. <laughs> She'd herd all the neighborhood kids. You know, she. I think she really misses that job. Mm. You know, that's what she was born to do. Like yeah. that's that's her drive. That's what she loves to do. So it's just fun to see their personalities at play, and there's just their different you know, uniqueness and things they bring to the family. You know, Clancy's the goofy one. Like, he just makes me laugh every single day. Like, he just does something funny. Mm-hmm. You know, even his snoring is funny. Like, the sounds he makes, right? Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm listening to what yeah, you I say, just, and I just feel like we're going full circle to how you started out with Grand Valley and getting that first job, being mm-hmm. fired drop out okay yeah I know right <laughs> it just sounds really interesting you know I'm, I'm just it's just it's just going full circle right you drop yeah. out then you get to this job that you really enjoy and you, yeah. you know all the energies all the emotions yes just channel into that and you're talking about is it Molly Molly or Clancy which one which one's the dropout a Clancy Clancy you need to well Let's not call the poor yes, dog. His career we, we, changed. No, career his changed. Let's career not call changed. it a dropout. No. <laughs> it's not a dropout. It's just a he's career a change. Very good but boy. that was just not his thing. Yes. And I think it's recognizing when something is our thing and something is not our thing. Yes. And it's okay. It's not a failure, right? It's just recognizing it's that this is not for me. And it's okay. There is yeah. something out there that I could actually do. So with that being said, Nicole, this is called The Candid Life. And we've talked about friendship with family and friends and volunteers and dogs. What does it mean for you to live the candid life? I think when I reflect back on like what you said, you know, just coming full circle, I think it's just taking things as it comes Mm -hmm. and always looking for the positive and always looking for the silver linings and everything. Because like I told you, I was devastated, but look what came out of it. You know, I went on and I met Leslie and then I had Trent and then she was an instrumental part of my life. And it's like, if I would have just focused on that loss of that job and not moving forward and just seeking something different and just knowing that, just being open, I guess, and just being open and just recognizing that things happen for a reason, you don't always know what it is Mm. and that's okay. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to just accept it and just think, okay, what's next? But something always good does come out of it. You just have to be very open to it and just very um, adaptable and flexible and just just realizing, you're just not taking things too seriously, right? It's like things happen, you pick yourself up, you move on, and something else good is going to come out of it. I mean, I think about all the different people I've met in my life, you know, just friends, friendships, opportunities, you know, they all, some of them came out of something terrible at the time, but it blossomed into this really Hmm. nice, beautiful thing, you know? So it's sometimes it's just, I'm trying to remember how it goes, but there's this phrase I've heard many times and I've kind of tried to take it to heart. It's like, good things fall apart so even better things can happen. Wow. So I try to think about that, you know, when it seems like it's tough, right, when things fall apart. But mm-hmm. you get through it, and something good is going to come out of it. You just just be open. I love that. I love that. You said something, a word that just jumped out of the airwaves and hit me upside the head. 
and that was what next Mm -hmm. so often we get stuck when we keep asking but why did this happen why did this happen why did this happen we get stuck in a place and can't see beyond our nose let's put it that way Mm -hmm. but when you ask what next it opens up the possibilities of what could happen right yeah. So I think when, when tragic things happen, and tragic things will, because we're Absolutely. living, right? It's, Good things yes, happen, bad things happen. Yep. Rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. <laughs> That's just the way life is. You know, yes. sometimes bad things happen to good people. And it's yes. not always an easy yes. thing to deal with. But when we get stuck on the why, we can't move forward. Yes. We, we, sometimes we just have to stop and embrace what has happened. Sometimes we have to fight against what's happened. But asking that question, what next, opens the door for other things or opens our heart to the possibilities or opportunities that could be out there for you. And that's basically what I'm hearing from what you're saying. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's definitely a beautiful thing. And so with that, folks, come to the end of The Candid Life. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We've talked about friendship specifically family, friends, volunteers, and dogs. But I am going to ask um, Nicole, can you give us some information um, for our listeners and our viewers of how they can get involved with uh, Leader Dogs for the Blind? Yes. Well, the first thing would be to go on our website, which is leaderdog.org. So if you know somebody who is in need of our services, you know, we provide... um, orientation and mobility services so you know white cane travel um, also guide dog services so please refer them to our website and check us out everything is offered to our clients free of charge and again I'm gonna go back to my word of the day which is amazing <laughs> it really is an amazing place and I just can't say enough thing good things about it I just my heart is there I just love it everybody who is involved so we'd love to have people learn about our services. We are always looking for puppy raisers and breeding stock host homes. Uh, we have, again, just wonderful, wonderful people who have been part of our program for years. They have raised many, many puppies for us. So a wealth of experience. And we are always looking for people who want to try it out, like just become a puppy raiser and make a difference in somebody's life. Also being a breeding stock host home, we are always looking for people. So we would love to have you. Please call me. Um, My phone number is 248-218-6416. Also on-campus volunteers, um, definitely looking for those as well. Any open positions for on-campus roles will be posted on our website. So that is an application process. Um, In addition to puppy raisers and breeding stock host homes, there's an application process and all of those things are on our website. So again, feel free to call me at 248-218-6416 or you can email me at nicole.budaY at leaderdog.org. I would love to hear your thoughts and comments about this show. So you can always email me at livethecandidlife at gmail.com. That's livethecandidlife at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Lydia Gago and Nicole. Say hey, hey, as a bye-bye. Yes. (laughs) 
Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I just want to encourage you to continue to live the candid life 24-7. Nicole and I are going to close out with a poem. We don't know who the writer is because it's unknown. Uh, and it's called Reason, Season, Lifetime. I hope you enjoy this. Nicole, take it away. People come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. When you figure out which one it is, you will know what to do for each person. When someone is in your life for a reason, it is usually to meet a need you have expressed. They've come to assist you through a difficulty, to provide you with guidance and support, to aid you physically, emotionally, or spiritually. They may seem like a godsend, and they are. They are there for the reason you need them to be. Then, without any wrongdoing on your part or at any inconvenient time, this person will say or do something to bring the relationship to an end. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they walk away. Sometimes they act up and force you to take a stand. What we must realize is that our need has been met, our desire fulfilled, your work is done. The prayer you sent up has been answered, and now it is time to move on. Some people come into your life for a season because your turn has come to share, grow, or learn. They bring you an experience of peace or make you laugh. They may teach you something you have never done. They usually give you an unbelievable amount of joy. Believe it, it is real, but only for a season. Lifetime relationships teach you lifetime lessons, things you must build upon in order to have a solid emotional foundation. Your job is to accept the lesson, love the person, and put what you have learned to use in all other relationships and areas of your life. It is said that love is blind, but friendship is clairvoyant. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.